I start out my questions with where did you go to college and what did you think you wanted to be when you grew up? And we're going to get there. But you have a little bit of an interesting story because you are not from the United States. And I wanted to talk to you about that. So can you tell us where you're from? Yes. So I'm originally from Kenya, born in Kenya. I came to this country, uh, now it's 20 years ago, through the Green Card Program. So the Green Card Program is this lottery that I won to be able to come and uh, live in the United States. So I usually say that's the, my one chance at a lottery that I won. And I came here for the American dream, like uh, so many that you hear about. Um, when I first came, my dream was to be a ballerina, <laughs> a gymnast, <laughs> an opera singer. Something um, artistic and something yes. in the performing arts. Yes, yes. I wasn't able to do that in Kenya. And so I thought, you know, I'm here for the American dream. And so this is what I'm going to do when I come. So you were excited when you came to the United States. Wow. Um, when you're in Kenya, at least for me, my dream was to come to America. We call it America. Now I call it the yeah. United States. Uh, to come to America. Because we lived knowing that in America is where your dreams come true. Do you think that's true? Yes. Okay, because I've heard mixed reviews on from some people that came here and it found out it wasn't what they thought. But I'm glad to hear that you had a good experience. For me, I wouldn't, I don't think I would have been a lawyer in my country like I became a lawyer in this country. Um, when I, so when I came to this country, I had already graduated as a, in my bachelor's. And because of the political system and the system of education, um, we were tracked into certain categories. And because uh, we had, there were certain quotas that had to be filled in certain um, professions. So let's say law school, a bachelor's of law, or uh, medicine, or education, and uh, 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 commerce, or something like that. I don't remember too clearly now. So if you got tracked in those, then it, it really meant that you didn't have an opportunity to then you know, possibly go to law school. So for me, I was tracked into the education. So I actually graduated and I became a, a languages teacher. I was teaching French and literature. So, I, so, so for me, my future in Kenya was to be a teacher. And, and of course, I grew up with all these dreams in, in my life about things that I wanted to be. And I felt that uh, I wouldn't be able to fulfill them just being in, living in Kenya. I, you know, would have held, left, led a successful life as a teacher, but I always felt that I was destined for more. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> but you wanted to be a dancer or something in the performing arts. So did you think that when you got to the United States or America that you would be able to then pursue those things? Was that your intention? 
Yes. So can I ask you how old were you when you came here? I know people can do math, but. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Now that I say this, I, I it's and then coming here and realizing that for you to become a dancer or an opera singer, you had to have started this at very young age. So by the time I'm coming here, I'm 23 and and I'm and I actually did start a little bit. Like I remember going to uh, Barnes and Noble or then Borders existed. Yes, I remember Borders. And I would buy these opera CDs and would listen to them and I would practice, practice, practice. I actually at one point was was going to lessons to a teacher at Central Park and she would give me like voice lessons. <laughs> my goodness i don't think that's silly at all <laughs> i mean so, that is probably a that's a tough industry right because there's so many people that want to be famous oh yes and now i i you know i realized it coming here the the, the journey that i thought i would take no was not going to happen that way but at the same time you know you come to this country and i, I started from the bottom i started from you know, my first job in this country was uh, babysitting this family. Um, so you, did you come completely alone or did you have family members with you? I actually had a cousin um, who lived here. I had two cousins who lived here. So when I came through the green card program, they expect that you have a family that you're going to live with. They, they ask for an address. So my cousin lived here, so I came here. And, and your parents were supportive? Or were they, they didn't want to see you go? You know, I don't even remember asking. I just told them, like... <laughs> you were like, I'm out of here. <laughs> you, ha you were on a mission. I was you were on out. A I was gone. I, I, I really was gone. I don't even remember telling... I just told them, I, I won the lottery, and I'm going to America. <laughs> were you scared at all? Doesn't sound like it. No, no, because I, I was so into this. I'm going to America. You were excited. Very much so, and, and I was I was feeling that this was my one chance. This was my one chance for my dreams to come true. So you came here, you found your cousin's house. You didn't have a job or anything lined up, right? No, no. So then, what did you do when you got here? So you get here, day two. For me, I I, I got here and I just wanted to work. I wanted to start my life. So my cousin then shows me tells me well at the time she was she was also also taking care of some little kids so she told me well you know start with babysitting and work your way up so of course to me it was a little bit jarring because um i never babysat in my country like i so coming here and i'm coming to america okay i'm babysitting all right okay so that will be my starting job <laughs> Yeah, but you're I'm like, I didn't come here to babysit. Exactly. <laughs> Where's my dancer job? <laughs> you got it. You got to start somewhere, though, right? You have to start somewhere. Something's got to pay the bills. Yes. So I start there, and I'm already thinking that I need to get an office job. So I need to figure out how to get an office job. So I was very driven. I knew I needed to get my Social Security card so that I could start working. So so I, I remember going to the Social Security office, actually somewhere here in, in 
Islin. Were you in New York City? I don't know why I was assuming you were in New York City. Actually, no, I came to New Jersey. Okay. Yes, I came to New Jersey, Edison. So uh, I'm off to, you know, getting my green card. I remember they would, you know, tell me, come back, it's not ready. And, and I was so, I need my green card. I need, uh, no, my social security, I need to start working. So I get my social security and then I start, uh, I, I start looking for jobs, you know, through like temp agencies and all that, and put my resume together. And then I, th then, so then my next job very quickly was a, a receptionist job at some, some place somewhere. I think it was in Carteret. Um, so go with that. And then rapidly on, you know, you start from there, you start with your first office job. And for me, it was just growth, growth. I, ha I have to keep moving. You know, I have things to do. <laughs> so what were you thinking as you're sitting there doing your office job? Where was your mind in terms of how am I going to be an opera singer or a dancer or, you know, whatever aspirations you had? What were you thinking? So I'm thinking, okay, I, I can start to see that uh, one, I, I can't keep going to Central Park. So at some point, I did find uh, another voice teacher who lived in South Brunswick. So with her also, you, I, I would train a little bit with her, go to work. But then I'm also seeing that uh, that that path is not looking clear to me. There's so much more that I need to do. I need to think about, you know, where would I, I would audition. I started to see like the the barriers to entry. <laughs> yeah, that it was hard. My eyes started opening up like, oh, I don't think that's going to work. Well, sometimes it's a test to see how bad you really want it. You're right about that. Do you think You're maybe right. it just where you were like, nah, I don't think I'm going to do all uh, that. Yeah. 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 I, I can take that. I can take that in retrospect. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> So then when did you start thinking about other things, like other careers that you could have? Oh, so it's all about now, the other thing that you're thinking about is, okay, I, I want to make more money. So the temp job is working, the receptionist jobs are working. Oh, um, and then somewhere around there, I started to meet, like th there was this community of, of other immigrants who were professionals. And some of them were Kenyans, some were Nigerians, Ghanaians, and all that. And then, so around that time was like um, the 2000 um, Y2K, 2000 yes. was, was going on at that time. And so I got introduced into this like IT world where I was told, well, if you do this, certification, you get a certification in this, a certification in that, you're going to get a really good job that's paying you like $30 an hour, which to me was like a million dollars, $30 an hour, like, yeah. what? You, so you, and I was still new in this country, so I would convert that money into Kenyan money. <laughs> it and like, it went a long way. It was so much money, like, money I would have never in your dreamed head, yeah. you would do it yeah <laughs> right I'll do yeah. it so so then it was, so I I got into that IT world where then I started I worked for AT&T I got my certifications and and these were classes would take like at seven o'clock after everybody worked then would meet the, the the place was like in Jersey City I'd drive there 
take these classes from like seven o'clock at night to like 11 o'clock at night just to get certified to like you know be trained and taught and how to take the exam and so on and so forth did so you I enjoy did that. it no <laughs> so for you it was about security and making money and i have to make money and i have to support myself and yeah yeah not at all i i, I never would i have thought that i knew I would do anything that had to do with IT and computers. You know, like, yeah. I'm a creative, remember? I'm yeah. trying to, <laughs> to go to dance school or like... Very big difference. <laughs> yes. So at some point, did you did it occur to you, you know, I don't really like this. You know what? Let me tell you when it occurred to me. After I had worked in IT for like three years. And then um, that time I... So... So it was. It used to be three-year contracts. So I worked for three years, and at the time that I, my three years came up, I was in the process of having my first son, right? So it was like a natural end for me, where now I, I my contract ended, and so I was home with my son, and so that's the time I really took to figure out. Okay, what do I really want? Now you're in America, you've tried this, you're, that's not working, what do you really want to do? So I remember buying this book called um, What Color Is Your Parachute? Yeah, I've heard of that book. <laughs> and, you know, going through it, uh, you know, I, I think it had questions and, and so on and just trying to discover yourself. And so I, I realized that really what I wanted to do was to go to law school. And I said to myself, that's the one dream that I, that I felt I could achieve. All, all these other ones were, I think they were probably fantastical. So this one, law school was, I, I admired lawyers in my own country. They were like very prominent in, in freedom and free, uh, we call it freedom fighting and uh, the pursuit of justice. So I felt that as a lawyer, being a lawyer was the one thing that I could now achieve, I could work at achieving. I love that. And did you have a bachelor's degree already? I did, I did, I did. So, and that's the thing, because in Kenya, you, all, you can do law as a bachelor's degree. Well, actually, I think it, in this country too, it actually is a bachelor's degree. Yeah. But we call it a doctorate, right. no, because we have to sound fancy. <laughs> I and like I think that. I know, and I think the LLM <laughs> mm -hmm. is actually more of the doctorate. Right, right. I I can get that, but but I'll take the uh, the yeah, JD. I just want to know why we're not called doctor, <laughs> but I'll, it's okay. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> so you started applying to law schools. So I start um, applying to law schools. Well. I applied to a law school. Just one? Which one? Because Rutgers. Because I didn't know. So remember, I'm new in this country. I don't know anyone who's a lawyer. I know tons of lawyers in Kenya. Over here, it's just me charting this course. So, um, you know, I remember also in my head, I thought, well, if I'm going to become a lawyer, I think I need to work in the legal industry or in some legal environment. So I go ahead and get this job in the judiciary as something. 
because I'm saying that that's going to prepare me <laughs> to go to law school. It makes sense a little. <laughs> but it doesn't. But it's not. You don't need to. No, you don't need to. I mean, I think you're thinking that I maybe I should start spending some time around people who are in the illegal environment. That's smart. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of ways you can do that. Obviously, we know this all now in yeah. hindsight. Right. But, and those jobs are not so easy to get. No. And, and, and there I am, because the, the one thing I know about myself is that if I'm going for something, I am going for it. You're full steam ahead. <laughs> full, That's yeah, admirable. What, whatever needs to be done, I'm going to do it. So here I am. Um, and so I applied for, to the one law school that I know, Rutgers, because now at this point I have a, a, a son. I'm not seeing myself like commuting. I'm married. Yeah. I'm not commuting to wherever. It's got to be Rutgers or... And this was Newark. Yes, Rutgers, Newark. Yeah, because Canada... Now they're, they're yes. combined now. Yeah. So that's where I applied to, and that's where I'm accepted. So you took the LSAT. Did you study yes, hard for that? I did, too. I did, too. And, and that's the other thing, too, because I, I realized... And part of... So the LSAT, I, I studied. I went to... Um, is it Princeton Review... I did a Princeton review course uh, because when I did the practice test, I wasn't doing well. So I said, okay, I need to like go somewhere to figure out what to do. So I went to Princeton review. So that's what I did, did my LSATs, and then was accepted at Rutgers. That must have been exciting. It was very exciting because then I started to see, oh, this is going to happen for me. Like, um going to go to law school and it I'm going to become a deal. lawyer. It, it was, was a big a deal. huge deal. Were you the oh. first one in your family to go to college? No, no. Actually, my mom, so my mom and dad, my dad went to college. My mom, she went to nursing school, right? Don't, don't remember college, oh, mom. But... <laughs> She went to college, though. Yeah, yeah. But my dad is uh, went to college and got a master's as well. Wonderful. Yes. They must yes. have been so proud of you when, when they, you said they, you were going to law school. They really were. They they really were. Yeah. Um, the the one lawyer that I knew in my family was uh, a cousin of mine, who I grew up with and really admired, and just her way of carrying herself as a lawyer as a women lawyer in Kenya among a very male-dominated environment was very inspiring for me. So that's who like, I carried in my head as I thought about becoming a lawyer. She was sort of your role model. She was. She was. Yeah. That's yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you go off to law school. I go off to law school. And were you a night student, or did you go full time? I went full time. So, so remember, so I made, I had made, I made all this money in IT, right? Because, uh, you know, for the three years, it was a lot of money. I mean, we were getting paid a, a whole, n- nothing like the billable hour as a lawyer. But then it was a lot of money. Like you would get paid ninety dollars an hour. So, I'd saved a good chunk of money. So I went to school full time. Um, really depleted my savings but uh, that's how I did it I went to school and um, for you know for the three years because I wanted to be done finished quickly and get to practicing law because once I, I realized that that is now what I really I've, I've now found my path I wanted to get it 
and be done and start practicing. What did you think you would practice? Did you have any, any idea at the time? Corporate law. That's so funny. I've heard that a lot from people, <laughs> and they don't end up in corporate law. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Why? I, I think that's, that's what I thought of as a lawyer. That, that's the lawyer I saw. I saw the corporate lawyer, or at least, let me say, I think the corporate lawyer was what was glamorized and what was seen out there as, oh, now that's a lawyer. Yeah, the Wall Street people. Yes, that yes. That do merger, mergers and acquisitions. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I gravitated towards, some, I wanted to be more like, I didn't know what it was called at the time, but like a street lawyer. Yeah. Like yeah. the person that you call and yeah. they just get shit done. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, right, they go right. to court, you know, that's just kind of in my mind yeah. what I saw a lawyer as. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. but those are, those are like two polar opposites. Yeah, in, in, now that I think about it, obviously now with with a passage of time and in retrospect, I think again it was just me thinking of something, but not really actually looking within myself as to what I myself really wanted. It, it was more like what I looked at, and if I if that's what it is, then. If, I, if that's what I'm looking at, then that's what I want, rather than you know, really looking within myself and, and knowing who I am. And, and who I am is then, you know, what I, 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 be, I become. Yeah, I, I get that. You kind of saw yourself outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, how is everybody else seeing me, mm-hmm. too? Mm-hmm. But not, what do I really want to do? Right. Who am I? Right. Right. So when did you start really thinking about that more? So when I, I started to, to listen to, so I remember in law school as I was graduating, and I took this special education clinic. And I remember one time I was, I was sitting with a family. It was a, a young man. He was about 17. And we were advocating for his educational needs, um, the IEP, special education. And and so we were going up against the school district uh, saying that he needed to be provided for services. So he was sitting there with his mom. And so we went through the, you know, the process and everything that we needed to do. And then I remember uh, my clinical professor um, you know, training me and teaching me, and we would go back and forth and would discuss about, you know, what we think about the client. So I remember when I graduated and I was going to say goodbye to her and actually thank her for, you know, just everything that I had learned from her, she told me that, you know, I think you would do very well as a family lawyer because you have a an empathetic, I think that's what the word she used, an empathetic quality. So that was like where I started now to, to listen. I, I, I think about that time as when I said I listened and I heard that. And I started to also hear uh, other things that were said about me in a way that I hadn't actually seen or, or thought about myself. So I, I say that that's the beginning that I started to, to listen to myself and, and to take time to actually be true to really what I wanted to do. And you thought family law was it? What was your first experience with that? 
So graduate, then it's, it's 2009, worst market and all that and all that. People are not getting jobs. So, um, you know, you're going from place to place. I'm temping here, par diem there. And then I eventually actually uh, got a clerkship with a family law judge in Middlesex County. Who was it? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, judge Vignolo. Okay. Yeah. So. Did you have a good experience in your clerkship? What I, did you think? I, I, I can't even begin to tell. When I tell you that, you know, people who are, m- is it monumental, like so significant in your, in your life, and in, in particularly in, in this country, I mean, she ranks right, right there as, as one of uh, the people in this country that just grounded me and just gave me the, the direction that I needed. Clerking for her, I know she was uh, previously a practicing family court. Uh, she was a family attorney. And so early on in my clerkship, I started to pull out, put out feelers that I, I wanted to start my own practice. Cause now I right I, out of a clerkship. Yeah, because I I started to say it. That's bold. <laughs> you know, and I didn't realize just how bold it was. Like just saying it. So I, I remember, I remember her, like, not like wow, not even wow. It was more like oh, and what I what I have to say is that when I said that to her. I tell you, it was, you know, this is what you need. So she would tell me, she would, you know, throw tidbits my way. And she probably doesn't even realize that she was actually doing that. But there were things that she would say that I would take as what we now call practice pointers. She was very confident in the positions that she took. She's she's a judge who really read the material uh, you know, any th- emotions that came, I would, you know, as we all know, the, the clerk takes, the law clerk takes like the first bite at the uh, yeah. drafting the order. And her orders were always, you know, w- what needed to be corrected was corrected. And she was, she was really very good. I, I learned so much from her about practicing. She would tell me, um, he is a good attorney, you know, come in, watch this attorney. This is a good attorney. As soon as I told her that, you know, this is what I was thinking of doing, she was really, really, really supportive. I, I you know, if I if I didn't have her, you know, those were like the first believers. She was like my first believer that I could do this. And so I, I, without her, uh, I, I don't know. I, I could have done it, but then maybe it would have taken me a little bit more time to get there. But I yeah. felt really confident coming out of the clerkship and, really thinking about how I'm going to do this. Yeah, I always tell people, don't reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. You know, other people have, whatever problem you have or mm-hmm. whatever project you're working on, someone's done it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, find out how they did it. Exactly. Put your own spin on it. Exactly. I did that a lot. The, the one thing I did, I, I remember, you know, at my, uh, at, at my law clerkship, I would see, I started to see like, you know, like a well-written brief. I would keep that, uh, you know, well-written, anything well-written or, or even formats of like, you know, motions or things like that. Because now I started to see, okay, this is what attorneys come in and they do. 
And so I started, you know, putting together like my little bank of documents. Not that you would plagiarize <laughs> no, for anybody course. who's listening. <laughs> mostly for the <laughs> format. <laughs> mostly formatting because I realized again that that, you know, even now in practice, for me, half the time was just figuring out, okay, how do I need to do this? My judge would get all kinds of things coming her way. And just the way she managed everything was was so instrumental because even I, I, I saw the way she thought about very different situations and nothing came in front of her that she didn't know what to do with or where to place it or how to deal with it. And I, I tell you, I learned so much from her. And that's how I felt the confidence to come out. And if I get a, a restraining order a client, I know what to do. That's really impressive because when I left my clerkship, I would never have wanted to, to just completely be out on my own. Yeah. I, my my um, sweet mate would always tease me. Christina, you are looking for Mr. Miyagi to teach you to wax on and wax off. And, you know, he was right. I was. Yeah. I was looking for a Mr. Miyagi. I I remember there was someone that I was supposed to work for. I won't say his name. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned in passing that he was going to send me to a trial call right. my first day of work right. after a clerkship. Right. And... I was totally terrified. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> how? What? <laughs> I don't even know how to do a motion. <laughs> what am I going to do at a trial call? And I remember telling my judge. Right. And he was just like, you can't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know what, what Judge Vignola would have said. Like, you sure you can. You're yeah, going to be great. Just go. Yeah. But that was not the experience that I wanted to have. Yeah. I wanted to learn from somebody. I wanted, you know, a lawyer role model. I wanted my Mr. Miyagi. And that was not going to be it. Right. And this other opportunity presented itself. Right. So I did what you're not supposed to do. I told him, the guy number one at the last minute, that I was declining the offer that I had already accepted (laughs) and took the other job. But he doesn't even remember because I said something to him about it like 10 years later. Like, I apologize 10 years later. He didn't even remember. He didn't even know what to talk about. (laughs) So it was all my own head. And and that's the thing, too. We we stay in our heads. Yeah. Yeah, so much. But, you know, people have moved on. Yes. Well, what you think is is big and is such a big deal. Right. Like everybody's, you know, looking at you and thinking this. Yeah, yeah. They're not. Yeah, right, right. Because they're thinking about themselves. Yes. That's really what I've yes. learned. They're yes. thinking about themselves. A- absolutely. And that's how I was able to get myself into these situations where I am, you know, going up against, um, uh, you know, an adversary in some, you know, it was a huge law firm. Yeah. And... Because I, I felt, you know what, I, I'm just going to do that. She's come to me. There's no one. I've put myself out there, first of all, as a competent <laughs> attorney. Yeah. It, don't let them see you sweat, right? That's, no. It, no. It's true. So, if they think you're scared. Right. So there I am, you know, the you know, clutching to the file. Like, I know there's something in there. <laughs> just bring a yellow legal pad. That's all you need. <laughs> I tell you, the yellow <laughs> legal pad. I tell you. You have that, you have your brown uh, folder, 
and you're ready to go. Anything, be- and then you walk into the courtroom and you open everything up and, and you're ready. <laughs> I always found that as a young attorney when I was, I don't know if I can really call myself that anymore, but at the time, I always over-prepared. Yeah. I was so afraid that the judge would ask me something that I didn't know the answer to. Right. I, that was my worst fear, yeah. which really looking back was kind of silly, but I always over-prepared and because of that, I found that when there was an older, putting right. that in air quotes, right. older attorney, more experienced attorney, oftentimes I was much more prepared than they were. Right. And I would actually get a better result. Right. And I think right. they would sort of leave like scratching their heads like, how did this young attorney who's doesn't know how to do anything, right. Right. how did this happen? Right. And it was because I was prepared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I found, so what for me I know I struggled with in the beginning was, you know, now we know it as the imposter syndrome, where you're going in somewhere and you're thinking, well, you know, I just, you know, I just have my practice, I'm I'm the, you know, solo uh, attorney, and, and so here I am. What do I know? And so you're you know, going, so to speak, going through the motions. But even as I'm going through the motions, I know, like you said, you're prepared. You know what to say. You, when you go to an ESP, you know what the ESP is, uh, early settlement panel. So you know what to do there. And in that, uh, uh, just going through the motions, going through the processes, showing up in these kinds of situations, I started to get over that quote you know imposter syndrome or that feeling that this is not where I was meant to be that I I needed to have you know worked for somebody before I started out on my own because then I would know so much more but when you really think about it as long as you are there you're you're saying the right things you you are prepared then you, you're lucky when you find somebody then who treats you just as, a, as an equal. And that's what I really appreciated about the, the practice of law or even just becoming a lawyer, that, you know, with being a lawyer comes with a, with a certain expectation of you, that as, as you're showing up here, you, you, we are expecting this of you. And, and any time that I know what is expected of me, I del- I'm delivering it. <laughs> Well, you also weren't someone who just was very insulated and had never worked a real job yes. and didn't have adult responsibilities. You did. Exactly. So exactly. you were a grown-up already. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And that's what I, I started to, I, I felt that, listen, um, you, this is, as, as another judge used to say, this is not your first rodeo. You yeah. know uh, what needs to be done, how to show up, and to be professional about what you're doing. So just because you're brand new in this industry, just that doesn't mean that then, well, there's going to be this, uh, what do you call it, this growth? Learning curve. Yeah, this learning curve. You you know, maybe there won't be. You're just going to be there, expected to know. I think you just learn that what you're actually doing as a lawyer, especially with family law, you're solving problems. Yeah. I call myself a professional problem solver. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. I really think that's what we're, we're yeah, doing. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And just to, again, just to go back to uh, my wonderful judge, 
And that's what I learned from her, that it was, you know, you're here, your clients are coming to you with problems, and they want you to solve them. They don't want you to tell them that this is what the law says, and this is what the X happens. This is, this is how we do it. This they is what... Right. They don't want to know how the sausage is made. No, no, they don't. They don't want to hear about, you know, it's a court of equity. It's, a, it's you know, an end of law and all that. It's just like you, you solve the problems. You tell them what to do and you give them solutions. I can tell you, to me, you know, we're talking about a, a secret sauce and what I believe has made me successful um, in the practice of law and in owning my own business is that being very responsive to my clients and also telling them the, the things they don't want to hear. Nobody wants to hear that this is not possible or there's going to be difficulties here. I don't want to hear it, but I feel that I owe my clients not to be ambushed by you know bad news. I want to prepare them for what they are looking at and they are exposed to. Like, you know, you know a client will come into my office and tell me that, you know, I, she doesn't believe that she should pay alimony. When I tell her that, well, you, you're facing some alimony exposure, you know, and, and they just uh, are flawed by that. And, you know, I will couch it in alimony exposure, which, you know, another term I learned during my clerkship, which yeah. is really what you're saying is that you will pay alimony, but you're starting to, you know, bring in the bad news gently. Yes. You're not throwing them in the deep end of the pool. No, no. Or else they'll go to somebody else who will tell them. I know. Isn't that amazing, though? And that's just, I guess that's just human nature to go shop around for the person who's going to tell you what you want to hear. Right, right. I remember my most recent client um, came to me after she had seen like five attorneys. <laughs> they all told her something she didn't want to hear, no, right? They, they, what, what they told her, well, you know, this is the one thing I know she told me. She told me that the five, the, these five attorneys that she saw previously, I was the first one that asked her what she wants. So when you first went out on your own, mm -hmm. was it just you? You literally just hung a shingle? And did you have an office? Did you have a secretary? What did you do? So this is how we did it. So I had two other classmates of mine. Um, we graduated the same year and both feeling that, well, you know, this is it. We, we got to do this. Let's, let's get together. Let's figure it out. So I remember we, we had some, some meetings over the phone. We're going to find office space. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. So that's what we did. Uh, one of us found the office space that that's in Metuchen, where I am. Everybody left, and I'm the one who's left there. So we find this office space in Metuchen. For me, I felt that, and, and there was a big debate about whether we're going to go into a partnership of the, the three of us and or whether we're going to just do our own thing. So for like me... Like an eat what you kill kind right, of situation. Right, right. So for me, I didn't go into the partnership because it was early yet, and I felt that if this is not going to work, I, I need to be able to like just get up and go. I, I don't want to have to talk about dissolving partnerships. Yeah, or that this, was smart. Right? So that's what I did. I, I said, okay, we're going to come together. You know, we'll do the office space. One of us was, she was mainly going to be based in the city in New York. She lived in New York and the two of us, we would, we both lived in New Jersey. So we would share the space. So that's what we did. So we start, we have I, I start on my own. It's just me. 
uh, my partner, or we like to call ourselves partners, but we were not, just to kind of the safety numbers thing. So he had, I believe he also started, we, you know, by month two, he started with like a secretary because he, he had more file intensive stuff. I still could manage my own. Were you only doing divorce? So I was only doing family. So I was doing family law. Uh, a little bit of, you know, the, the door law, as they call it, whatever comes yeah. in, just, just a little bit. But I rapidly realized that I needed to specialize. So in, in a bit of immigration and also special education, which was, all, you know, very uh, near and dear to me after my um, clinical work at the law school. Mm-hmm. It's interesting when you talked about these other partners, because I have always found that a lot of people don't want to do things alone. Yeah. I don't really <laughs> understand that. I don't think I can relate to that because I'm I don't like to do anything with people. <laughs> I'm the opposite, which is funny because I have a partner. Right. But I don't I always wonder, you know, why do you need to have a partner? Why can't you just do it yourself? And I feel like and you can tell me what you think. I almost wonder, is it you just don't want to be alone? Is that what it is? Do people need the companionship? Because I've learned that when you are a business partner with somebody, it's like a marriage. Right. It really right. is. Right. It's yeah. not just, you know, something in form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to make big decisions, and you really need to be on the same page. And if you're not, it just doesn't work. Right. For me, that's that's exactly it. I was, you know, growing up, I I was comfortable being alone. Like I love to read, I love to be by myself. I grew up in a family where it was me and my my three other brothers. So as as the only girl, I you know I spent a lot of time alone because I just you know the three of them did their own thing. So even when I thought about practicing, I, I felt like, you know, I can do this. I, I don't want to be answerable to anyone. I, I want, if I make a decision, I am going to live with that decision. You know, the same thing, like I made the decision to come to, you know, I won the lottery. You know, a lot of people win the lottery and, and they don't eventually come because it's really? just, yeah, for them it's like, oh. It's big. Mean, it's big yeah. to just completely move out of your country right. of whatever right. you've known. Yes, and then come to another country to start over. I was, you know, very much comfortable with, with that idea of coming and, and, and starting afresh and, and doing things on my own. So, so yeah. I definitely feel that there are benefits to a partnership, um, but then it also takes knowing, having a partner who is on the same wavelength as you are, not necessarily thinking as the same, but you know, just on the same yeah. wavelength, trajectory, and so on and so forth. The and same it's, vision. Actually, it's like like it's like the proverbial unicorn. You know, good luck finding that. Yeah. And so now I'm, I'm sort of thinking of a business model where I have, it's me with associates, with not so much as uh, a partner. So uh, that's like the way I'm thinking of exploring if I'm going to expand. So what do you have now? What staff do you have so now? So now I just, it's me and two legal assistants. Are they paralegals? Or One, more like legal so I, in fact, it's now that you reminded me. 
<laughs> I have a virtual paralegal. I guess that's why I don't even remember she's there. Oh, that's nice. So it's not really um, someone you have to have on payroll. Is it like per diem? Yes, it is per diem. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. And that's because now I've started to think in that more growth uh, trajectory. And I remember going to, you know, you and I have talked about Alison Williams. Yes. And in one of the classes that I, uh, at one of the seminars I attended, I remember one uh, of the attorneys asking her very directly, okay, if there's one hire I need to do tomorrow when I get back to my office, what is it? And I remember Alison saying, you know, hire virtual paralegal. Wow, that's good right, advice. Right, and so when I when I heard that, it's it, that's not a difficult decision to make because, and she really went through. This is, you know, you're going to build them at this rate. The work that they're going to be doing is at this rate. So, so there you have it. It's a no-brainer. So now that I've, I'm thinking in that growth, uh, I'm in that growth phase now, and I'm con really considering growth. I said, well, that's not, that wasn't that wasn't difficult for me. So I, I, I liked that about um, her advice. So you've had your practice now since, was it, did you say? 2012. 2012. Mm -hmm. So it's been a minute. It has. It has. So we, so we stayed in this pseudo partnership for up until 2015, when now the last of them moved out. And so now it was just me with uh, alone in the office. I, I still haven't taken out their <laughs> taken. I don't know why. Did the you names part name plates. On, on good terms? Did they just move on? Oh, Is that what oh, happened? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We, okay. we t on on good terms because one of them he he grew because his his business model uh, needed he needed more people on the on staff, but we didn't have the space. I mean, we were practically on top of each other it sounds like you get the the best of both worlds because you're still your own entity mm -hmm. so you get to make all the decisions mm -hmm. uh, but you still have company yes. you still have the companionship you can you know somebody to sort of commiserate with or you know run things by yes and that that really helped especially in in the very beginning when you're still feeling like is this even possible because you know the money is coming but it's not you know coming the, the fact that he's yeah. there, we, we're sharing the expenses. And so by the time he was moving out, I was comfortable enough to be able to manage all the expenses by myself. So that's, that's really helpful, even, you know, for somebody, you know, talking about starting a practice, just having that sort of uh, expense yeah. office sharing environment. So how did you get helpful. clients in the beginning? So... Um, did that make you nervous? Absolutely. Because remember, you know, you're starting. I, I don't have like family members who have issues. <laughs> they need a lawyer. I, I have. That's good. The family is the worst. You They're know the what? worst clients <laughs> to have. <laughs> you're thinking about that. <laughs> they think it should be free. <laughs> thinking about that. You're right. So I felt like I didn't have the contacts out there with people who would uh, refer me cases or bring me cases. But so really what happened was I, I did two things. Two things were like uh, very critical in me finding clients. One, I became uh, a member of the Middlesex County Bar. And I, and I joined this, it was called the 
reduced fee program. So when I so this is where you start with clients who are paying you seventy five dollars an hour. Oh, how'd you make any money on that? <laughs> and just in case anybody believes this myth that you just hang a shingle on your swimming and money all of a sudden, <laughs> it does not happen like that. Absolutely <laughs> not. And but at least so it got your name out there. You were working. Precisely. It got me into the courts, right? So then very quickly you get on the lawyer referral service, which is now that there you can charge your regular hourly rate. So then the other thing I did is that I joined this, um, you, uh, maybe you know it, BNI. It is I've bus- heard of it, yeah. Yeah, so Business Networking International. So it's just it's a networking group where, um, you know, people refer each other, uh, uh, make, make referrals of people who need services that are provided by the members of the networking group. This particular networking group had like five attorneys, in all different areas. Criminal had um, personal injury, has criminal personal injury, and uh, elder law, uh, business transactions, and um, healthcare, corporate law. And so these attorneys didn't practice family law. And so from them, I got a whole bunch of referrals. And that's where it started, a whole lot of referrals, and then before you know it, your name gets known out there. Former clients, refer other clients, and it goes on from there. What about now? Do you do any sort of like Google ads or digital marketing? Because I feel like we can't really ignore digital ads now. We, Most people go to the internet, I right. think. We can't because, and, and I see that because when I see in my intake sheet, I see um, I, I usually have, you know, where, how did you hear from us? And, you know, good number of them come from the internet. And I think it's just, and those that come from the internet actually have Googled a lawyer either in Edison. I, I notice it's the people who live like close by who then Google and then they come to the lawyer that's closest to them. I, I think that's good. I don't know how we've never had a case together. I, I don't know. I don't know. Because we're Did in the I, same town, yeah. basically. Well, you're Matuch and we're yes. Edison. Yeah, I don't know. We're right next to each other. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. It'll happen now. You know it's gonna. You know it's gonna happen. We're putting it out there in the universe. Yeah. So digital, as as far as digital is concerned, it's n- not a concerted effort to do it. It's <laughs> sort of by default for me. <laughs> you know that one that is that it's out there. I, I'm not very much into social media. Again, it, I think it's, it's a whole lot of, uh, I, you know, the, the comfort level, having a comfort level being out there in, you know, and talking about myself. I, I don't know why, but it's still in that. You're not comfortable with that. Yeah, and I don't know why, because I'm comfortable. I know I can do it like everything else I have done, but why this particular area? I think it's more of a hang-up of I have to do it this particular way. And again, you know, you'll hear me. You know, I've, I've talked about Allison before. And again, I, I know I've talked to her, and she has also said about you know just do it. Just do it. You know, once you start to do it, you become comfortable with mm-hmm. it, right? Mm-hmm. In the beginning, you're not comfortable mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. But the only way to get comfortable is to just do it. Yeah, that's why I love that expression that, you know, get yourself out of your comfort zone. That's what getting, uh, 
getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. I remember listening to a TED talk and, and someone said that, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And I, and I think that's what has really guided me through my life, being, just get it, being in these situations where I, I'm, I feel like I don't belong, but for whatever reason, I still put myself there. And it, and it becomes comfortable, yes, right? Yes, yes, yes. And then now I really should be looking at the next uncomfortable situation. And I think it's that one that, you know, get out there, do do some videos or whatever it is. Uh, I think doing. a lot of people have an aversion to being on video and putting themselves out there on social media. If I had to guess, I think it's because there's sort of this unwritten rule that you're just not supposed to brag about yourself and that's sort of what it is right you're not supposed to put you know flashy photos of yourself out there because I I guess because we're worried what other people are going to say people we know right not the people we don't know right but I think you know what it's just we got to get over it right you have to get get over it it's marketing right it is it is get get over yourself that I think that's the one I have a friend of mine and I know uh, we talk about the same thing. I remember at some point we were talking about, oh, I don't know, you know, I'm worried about my accent. I'm worried about this. Like, <laughs> what accent? And and then she started. She actually put some videos out there, and you know, she had me look at them, and we talked about them, and how we can do them better, and so on and so forth. And I told her, okay. So the next time I meet with her, because we usually sit down, uh, and come up with like, you know, what our our goals, like what do we want to do this year? How much money do we want to make? So when I told her, so the next time we see, I'm going to have my videos ready for you to look at and critique. So um, I'm going to do that. So this is it for me. You know what? (laughs) Just do do it. it. Just do it. Because there's this other expression that I used to use all the time with a coach. Um, getting ready to get ready to get ready to get ready. Just do it. Yes. You can prep forever. Yeah. You're never going to think that the yeah. video's right. You're always going to worry how it's going to be received or right. does my hair look right or, you know, did I sound stupid mm-hmm. when I said that yeah. statement or whatever. Just do it. Yeah, that's just what. That's what. That's what. I have my tripod ready. So, I, so it's just a matter of doing it. And you know what, nobody else is scrutinizing it the Mm -hmm. way that you are. Yeah. So I like to end these interviews with a series of five questions. What is the best business advice that you ever got? It came from uh, another judge just as I was leaving and I had gone to say goodbye to him and, and of course, thanking him for just the experience. Um, And I, I remember him saying that, you know, there's a need for uh, a ter- an attorney in Middlesex County who can do a good attorney who can do a divorce for like, you know, $2,500. And I, I took that to mean that you, that you, that, how, how would I put it? That charging reasonably charging a reasonable rate for as an attorney doesn't mean that you are not able to make a living essentially that you can make a living charging 
less. Yeah, charging people a reasonable rate that you, you can live with, and it is entirely possible. So I took that as my, this was like my business plan. Like, I'm going to be practicing in Middlesex County, and I'm going to be charging, um, like, 2500 will be, like, a, get, uh, getting a divorce done, and use that as my business, as my starting business model. And that's that's what I, I did. I like that. I mean, I, I have been trying to figure out a way to change the way that we bill, mm-hmm. because I think people are just tired of the billable hour. Mm-hmm. It's kind of archaic, right, really. Right. I mean, look, at right. everything is a membership now. Yeah, and right. I really have been trying to do something like that. Mm-hmm. But even though people don't like the way that we bill, right. the public, they're still resistant to the membership. Right. And you can call it whatever you want, a subscription or, you know, something like that. They All I know is they don't want to pay as much as they're paying. Right. And yes. even as an attorney, it seems ridiculous to me how much a divorce costs. But we do have to balance that with the fact that we should be paid right. for our time and our services and our expertise. Absolutely. So I don't know really where the balance is. Mm-hmm. So my question for you is, if you charge 2500 how do you make sure that it doesn't turn into you know, a War of the Roses divorce where you're basically you know, putting in all this time and it's being abused by the client. So what it was, I think even, I think even for him, it wasn't so much that, you know, that, you know, charge that. It was be reasonable because I, you know, he was a a family court judge. And so I, of course, he would come across these humongous fee, right? Like, yeah. Especially litigation costs. Larger firms, I think. Right. And sorry yeah, to anybody right. who's listening who's right. from a larger firm. And so he come you, you come across these enormous costs of litigation. And then when you're looking at the people who are expected to pay it, there's just such a, a, a gap. Yeah. And you, you see, you know, financial lives of people being destroyed. So I think for him it was more like as long as you're reasonable in what you do, because for sure, you know, it's very rare that you will find the divorce that will be done for $2,500. Oh, Even yeah. in Middlesex County, it's it's just not going to happen. But what's reasonable? I mean, who it's do you ask? Because you know? right. yeah. what I think is a reasonable right. fee, my client will think is outrageous. Right. But right. what they think is reasonable, I, I would have... think, but why would I even take a case like that? Exactly, exactly. And it's it's not going to happen. It just is not. You know, t- it's difficult to get anything, especially anything that doesn't come by way of an uncontested case. Anything that is in litigation, no one yeah. is, you cannot get it done for 2500 No, you can't. You, cannot. And, you know, even you if cannot. the number was higher, even, you know, where's the, what's the number? That's what right. should it be? That's right, yeah. And unfortunately, there are people, if, like if I just said, I'm just going to charge $5,000 flat fees for divorces from now on. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that I would have no shortage of people. They would be beating down my door, right? Right. right. But then they would fight over everything. Yes. They would fight over this cup. They would fight over, you know, the China, yes. everything. Because I do believe that sometimes what makes a client a little more reasonable right. and willing to settle is because they want to stop the fees. Yes, exactly. They have skin in the game. That's right. So, yeah. So I, I know there's a, a whole lot of talk about, you know, having like a flat rate um, 
way of, you know, doing litigation. But in family law, I just don't see it as being, uh, we're not there yet. No. It may, but we are not there yet. It's still, it's still a work in progress. And I people just do need seen lawyers. It. Yes. They do. They really that's should what? have a lawyer. Right, right. That, that, that really is it. And I think that's, you know, really what he was saying, that there are a lot of people who are coming in here and they need lawyers. And they need lawyers who are charging reasonably so that they can be able to, to pay for representation. Yeah, I think that's. And when was that? When did you when, get when, that advice? When I when I started. So it was a while right. ago, and it's still way. a problem. Yeah, yeah, it still yeah, is. It, it is. still is. It still we'll, is. We'll figure that out when we, we turn the mics we, off. We, <laughs> <laughs> you and I will talk about yes, it more. Yes, <laughs> we're gonna solve this problem. So, what is the best life advice that you ever got? So, it it, it comes from this. Um, it's a poem. So I remember reading this poem uh, when I was in Kenya. It, uh, it's called the Desiderata. It's, it's, it's things desired or something like that. Um, and it, it, it's a poem that you know, talks about, it talks about life. Um, one, of the, one of the key, it, it's, a, it's, a lo- it's a longish poem, so I'm not going to recite it. But I, I will tell you about this part that was that I was very meaningful to me back then. Um, hold, let me see if I can remember. It talks about um, do do not compare yourself with others, uh, for you may become vain and bitter. For always there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. So growing up, I remember, I think I was about maybe 12 or maybe 12, 13, about there, or maybe even 15. But I, I remember that, you know, it's a period of life that you are you d- discovering yourself or you're trying to figure out, you know, what's what. And that, I, I, every so often it comes to me, especially like now when you, uh, I mean, you know, life older now, practicing and, and meeting different people in different um, levels of success. And you, you, you want to feel like, oh, why can't I be like, oh, why can't I be like so-and-so? And that comes back to me. It tells me about, you know, not comparing yourself. There, there always will be greater and lesser persons yes. than yourself, right? It also talks about... Um, do not distress yourself with dark imaginings because um, everywhere life, you, you know, many people um, uh, live lives of loneliness. Many fears are born of loneliness and fatigue. And it talks about uh, beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. So these are things that, you know, I, I'm going every so often I go back to that poem to remember these things. And I think that's great advice. Yeah, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a really wonderful poem. I tell you, you read it. It's, Could you find it? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And send it it's to me? Absolutely, and I will. I'll share it on social media I for other will. people that want to see I will, I will. It. It's, a, it's a beautiful poem. I actually found out that it was written by um, uh, an American, Ma- Max Ehrman, who was a lawyer. Oh. I just found that out uh, on on Wikipedia. You just just it's, recently. Isn't you, that oh, interesting? It's it's a beautiful poem. Yeah, please share it. 
I will. I would yeah. love to see that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think comparison syndrome is definitely something that we all do. Right. And I have been much more mindful of that. Yeah. Yeah. In recent years. Mm-hmm. 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 Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Absolutely. What person do you most admire and why? Oh, it has to be my mom. Everyone's been saying that. <laughs> and that came to me recently. That's not like. Oh, really? <laughs> not when you were 15, right? No, no, nobody... no, no, no. <laughs> no. We don't no. like our moms not when even, we're 15. Not even 20. But, it, you know, I, I realized more and more that I, I, I'm a lot like her in, in the things that I have done. My mom was a real hard worker. And I always, I tell my, I tell my kids this. I tell them that my mom, I, that I cannot remember a time that I saw my mom sit on a chair reclined. She was always sitting up because she was ready to move and go somewhere. My mom knew what sacrifice was. She, she was like the head of a, a big hospital in Kenya. But then at the same time, she ran a, a farm. And so... I remember her, like, you know, if the workers were not there and cows needed to be milked or something like that, she was right there. And then after she was done, she would put on her, you know, white uniform and go off to work. I, I, I remember her sending all, all of us, we all went to boarding schools, we went to like um, uh, private boarding schools. I remember my, my brother went to boarding school when he was like five, six years old. And she sent us there so that we could get, you know, a good education and so that she could also be able to work to do all these other things that she needed to do. So I see a lot of myself in her. And so I figure, oh, I think I think I admire her because now I'm 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 being who she is. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. We don't appreciate all of that at the time. Mm mm. But then when you're older, when you're actually grown up yourself and you're juggling all these things, yeah. you, you see it with different eyes. You, you see such value in, in how she, she led her life. And, and you feel like that, that's exactly what I want to be. There's no one who she will help everyone. It doesn't matter how, 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 who you are. You know, she was always there for, for everyone. She's always there for everyone. So well, it sounds like it is you. <laughs> <laughs> do you I have a daughter I, no i have a boy i have two boys <laughs> oh, i'm sure they admire you oh. and if they don't because they're too young they do will we, tell them tell them to <laughs> they're gonna listen to this yes <laughs> okay so my mm. final question mm-hmm. actually second to last question mm. what would you tell your 20 year old self you know i i would say you, the you know at 20 years old it's you're just anxiety reading you're so you're so unsure you're unsure you're confident you're not confident you it's just such such a state of confusion and just wondering you know what is who am I, what am i going to be what's going to happen to me and i would tell myself then that that is not a bad thing it's it's a good thing it is you seeking your purpose in life, discovering it, listening to it, uh, finding it within yourself. In, in that state of confusion, it is all, you're, you're looking for, your, you're seeking your purpose. 
It's not really confusion, right? It, it really isn't. It really isn't. It's, it's periods of growth, and we don't see it that way. We don't see it that way. I think there's some, some I think, a Bible yeah. verse that talks about, you know, when was, I was young, I, I, I did the things of, of when I was of youth. Oh, my God. I can't even remember. My parents would be mortified. But <laughs> <laughs> I did the things of youth or something. like. <laughs> we'll find that, too. That's got to be on the Internet. And we'll post it. <laughs> It's the sentiment. <laughs> yes. No, I think that's great advice. And mm -hmm. how old are your kids? So I have a 13-year-old now, a 17-year-old. Okay, so they're probably, well, they're definitely, they're teenagers. Right. They're in that, that right. period of confusion. Right, yes. So yes. maybe you, that's something you could share with them. I they can. might not get it now, but they will no. later. Right, right. We don't listen to our parents. No, did we? Did we? No. No. Even no. Now we I we don't. knew it all. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but it, you have to go through that, right? Right. Right. So, final question What would you tell other women who are thinking of starting their own law firm but are afraid? I know we have said just do it. Yeah. But more than that is, is prepare it, prepare, and also believe that you can do it. I believe is. I've, I felt is really critical in getting you into action. So believe, prepare, yeah. and, and even what I didn't do, and, and I would tell anyone thinking about this, is you put a date out there. It could be three years from now. It could be two years, one year. Date from there and then start working your way backwards. Because I know for me when I first put it in my head that this was what I was going to do. I started gathering information. I started looking up, okay, what do I need? I think I need insurance. I think I need, I, I need space. I need so many things I need. That's when I started collecting like, you know, good uh, briefs and, and things like that. I started writing lists of the things that I need to be thinking about every, every so often. So if you are you have this date in mind that on this day, this will be the date of my, the start of my firm or whatever it, that is that you want to do. And then you work your way backwards. I think it, it puts it, it, it brings it out there and it makes it concrete. It makes it a very, it makes it a concrete idea that I believe is going to happen for you. Belief in yourself is so critical. It really is. And you and I were talking about that before we mm -hmm. turned the mics on. Yeah. So yeah. that is great advice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a wonderful note to end this dialogue. Thank you for sharing. Thank you so much. Uh, you have made me uh, talk about myself. I It's not something that I'm accustomed to doing, but... <laughs> You got out of your comfort zone. I did. So now, as I soon did. as you leave here, you should go do a video. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh, I love that.